Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. So I'm going to invite us uh, for just a few moments this morning to sit with this story uh, in Luke chapter 3. Uh, and do this in just a few movements. And the first movement that I want to invite us to sit with is where the, the location to in which the word of God comes. Uh, last week, I began with Fleming Rutledge's statement that Advent begins in the dark. Uh, but this week, I think that the words of St. Luke in his gospel are intended to remind us that Advent not only begins in the dark, but Advent begins in the wilderness. In verse 2, Luke says, The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And the wilderness in Scripture is intended to stir up in the reader's imagination uh, scenes, pictures, a place of waiting, of discomfort, of, of a deep unsettledness. And I am sure that I am not the only one in this room this morning who knows that place. We know this place, don't we? The place of waiting, place of unsettledness. I'm not talking about waiting in line. I'm not talking about waiting on our package to finally arrive. I'm talking about a deep soul waiting. Uh, if you're like me, you may feel like you're even in a season where you feel unfinished, seasons where there are things about you that feel unresolved, unhealed. And this is why, I don't know about you, but I know for me, I so desperately need the season of Advent every single year mostly because I'm awful at waiting. I had grand plans for our engagement and said propose the evening that I bought the ring. I'm notoriously bad at buying someone a gift and just giving it to them and going, hey, I want to get a little bit of head. And it's not thoughtfulness and foresight, it is the fact that I am deeply impatient. And so it is the discipline of Advent, in fact, it's the grace of Advent where I am invited to wait to long, to pray the ancient prayer of God's people found throughout the Psalms, how long, O Lord? Advent is a season when I'm invited, when you're invited to wait. We're reminded that we have a very, very small but very important part to play in our following of Jesus and our own spiritual formation to carve out and to practice the discipline of waiting. Advent is a season when we are invited to wait as a community, as individuals, to sit in the uncomfortable, painful, unsettling wilderness places and wait. And y'all, I confess that I have, put the pages in the wrong order. <laughs> Something. <laughs> That's awesome. Where's page three? I don't have page three. I don't know where we were going with this. Man, y'all, this is, uh, yep, that about sums up my week right there. I'm not great at waiting. I don't thrive when I'm in a hurry, when I'm rushed, when the tyranny of the urgent pulls and pushes. It promises that everything's gonna work out, it promises that everything's gonna be shiny, that people are gonna think well of you, and what promises to be manna in the wilderness ends up just being Pharaoh driving me to make bricks without stones. 
And in a season like Advent, a season where we are invited to wait, it's hard. It is hard. And the only reason why we're able to, and this isn't just some type of weird, aesthetic, masochistic practice, like we're just the Grinch who doesn't want Christmas to come. The only reason why waiting, there's any goodness, there's any truth, and there's any beauty to it is because we have a God who comes. A God who always comes. No matter whether we're ready for it or not, whether it sneaks up on you or not, Christmas is coming. It always is like, Christmas is tomorrow, what? And Advent is a season that whether we're ready for it or not, whether we feel jolly and ready to rejoice in the nativity, it comes. It's on the calendar. It's going to sneak up on us. And I think in a season like this, we're intended and invited to remember that God comes. And let me be the first to say, and you're going to go, are you allowed to say this as a pastor? I don't know, but I'm the one with the mic and the collar at this moment. So here goes. The slowness of God eats at me sometimes. The slowness of God, which, which even the scriptures say, you know, he's not slow as some count slow. But why does it feel so bone-crushing slow for when he comes? But he comes. In the season, we celebrate and look forward and backwards to his, his first coming, this first coming that surprised everyone. It was a coming that no one saw coming. Because God, creator and sustainer of the universe, enters into creation in embryonic fluid. Slowly taking shape and form. Enfleshed in flesh, he grows inside of a pregnant teenager who, as the ultimate picture of what it means to be a disciple, consents to the action and work of God. One that puts her on the fringes of a community that is already on the fringes. But it is in her yes, her risk, her courage, we get God. He is formed with her flesh, receives his nourishment. The first nourishment, we talk all the time about the rhythm of rest and nourishment that Jesus has. But the first rhythms of rest and nourishment in Jesus' life came from a vulnerable place from the reception of his mother. Because his nourishment, rest, and energy came from her. He was protected by her own flesh, knit together with her eye color, with her nose, with her laugh, with her tenderness. Her own body is depleted in order to give his body life. In the words of Scott Erickson in his little book, Honest Advent, both parties grow together, connected at their vulnerabilities. Both parties take the risk of creating something new together. This is how God comes. 
The opening of this passage this morning spends a lot of time on the Roman leadership. It's not just to sort of, you know, prove the historicity of the story. It's intended to set the stage. Because I think we're intended to be reminded and to sit with this morning on this second Sunday of Advent is that God comes in the midst of darkness and confusion, not in the absence of it. And so if you, like me, find yourself in a dark place, if you are feeling some form of vulnerability, then what I want to say to you this morning is you, beloved, are fertile ground for the coming of Jesus. One of the internal messages that I received from my family of origin was that good things only come to those children who behave. And I've, so I've carried this with me right into my adulthood and right into my life with God. But the stories of God remind us over and over again that God comes not when we have everything together, but comes in the midst of darkness, confusion, uncertainty, and need. This past week, Shelby was away on a girl's weekend trip, and so I took our little girls out uh, for a night on the town. And so we ended up meeting a few neighbor friends who the girls go to school with at the Grand Illumination on the mall. And so toward the end of the night, uh, the announcer from the stage invites everyone to make their way to the tree, and so we started to make our way. It's about 10 children, three families. Um, I am by myself, and um, so we started to make our way. And Laurel, we call her Lo, our youngest, um, was so excited that in a moment of excitement, she's five, she bolts. And as crowds go, as soon as she realized what happened, she turned around and we were gone. She lost complete track of us, and I lost, we lost complete track of her. And so for about five minutes, we were running around trying to find her. And it is your worst nightmare as a parent. Thankfully, she is a firecracker, but she knew what to do. She went and found a security guard who helped her back to our group. And so when my friend came and found me, I was still looking for her. She brought me back to the group, and there was Laura waiting for me. And when she saw me and I saw her, we both started crying and then just like held each other. And I was like, girl, you are not in trouble. I'm just so glad I found you. And she just kept saying over and over again, I'm so glad I found you. I missed you. I missed you. Uh, this time last year, I was, um, I'll come back to that story in a second. This year, this time last year, I was writing a letter to our community as we entered into a season of discernment together about our call and our family's call to join this community. In that letter, I told you that if you called me to be one of your pastors, there's a few things that you needed to know before everything else. But that one of them was that I only had one sermon. And so I was just gonna let it, you know up front, I only ever had one sermon that I would preach every Sunday. And so here I am again, and we'll be next week and the week after and the week after. And friends, it is this. I know that many of us are sitting in darkness and confusion, but friends, God comes. God always comes. God always finds us in our wanderings, in our darkness, in our confusion, and comes not to scold, and comes not to shame. How do I know that? Because that's not the picture Jesus gives. What Jesus reveals in his flesh, in his stories, in his teachings, is a God who is like a parent on the lookout for their child, who's seeing their child runs and embraces and weeps. Friends, we are not waiting for circumstances to get better. We are not waiting for things to work out. We are not waiting for the latest spiritual technique that will finally set us free. We are waiting and we are watching for God. 
And so if today you find yourself where I find myself, in a place of darkness, of confusion, and of waiting, then what I want to say to you is that you are a prime candidate for the coming of Jesus. God is not like our broken families. God is not like our friends. God is not like our governments. God is not like our cultures. Advent is a time for us to say, God, we know that you move toward me, and so move toward me. And so what would it mean for God to move towards you right now? Where with the psalmist are you saying, how long, O Lord? And to that place, what would it look like if God was to move toward it? And maybe you're tired of asking that question. And if you are, if you're tired of hearing that God comes, if you're tired of even praying, how long, O Lord, then what I want to say to you this morning is that's okay. We're not going anywhere, and God's not going anywhere. We will not rush, we will not wrangle, because God certainly doesn't rush, and God certainly does not wrangle. Because when God comes, God does not wrangle, and neither will we. But to those of us who are ready and who are longing, here's what I would say to us this morning, is that God moves towards us, but God wants us to be ready. The text says, prepare the way, make straight the paths. In his wisdom, God has decided that the good work of healing, of redemption, of justice, of service, of restoration, of shalom is a work that he does, not outside of us, but in and through us. And I believe that it shows up most often in the ordinary and often overlooked moments of everyday life. And I think you and I are called to create intentional space to notice and to nurture, to tend to the comings of God, not only in our lives, but in the lives of one another. And in doing that, our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds, that is to say our souls, grow in such familiarity that we begin to see that God is at work. And so what might it look like for us in this season to get ready, to make space for God? The prophet Isaiah, who's quoted by Luke today, describes the coming of God as unsettling, right? The mountains are made low, the valleys are raised. There's a change in the landscape. And when God comes to us, there is an unsettling in our own lives that opens us up for transfiguration. There's a, there's a change in the landscape of our souls and our bodies and our minds and our relationships. Sometimes it's obvious, but most often it is hidden in very real ways. And so where do we need to be unsettled in a way that opens us up for what God wants to do in and through us? This is at the heart of John the Baptist's message, to call the people of God then and now to turn back to the God who comes, who brings life and mercy. But this is not a coercive preparation. It's not a forced preparation. It's a preparation we make space for. Paul's words in our epistle reading this morning are important. He says, I am confident in this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. Do you hear that in Paul's words? Just this sort of release, just this opening of hands. I trust God with your very stories and souls that what God began, he will complete. And he doesn't go, and here's how he's going to do it. Look at my PowerPoint. It's 12 steps as to how God's going to complete his good work. 
He goes, I don't, in some ways it's, I don't know. And, it, and listen, y'all, if Paul knew, he would have said it because that's just Paul. But Paul goes, I just trust. I trust. But isn't that hard? It's like standing in the middle of a crowd and going, I'm just going to wait and trust that some random security guard is going to bring her back. It's waiting. It's going, yeah, I'm just going to trust that these broken relationships will heal themselves. That this part of me that is unresolved and unfinished, I'm just going to, I'm going to release it. That the spiritual mystics talked about it as the prayer of detachment. Meister Eckhart was big with this, and I'm going to detach myself from any outcome other than what God desires. That is great on a bumper sticker. It is awful. It is awfully painful and hard in flesh. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, commenting on preparation, says this, the end of all preparation of the way of Christ must lie precisely in perceiving that we, are, that we ourselves can never prepare the way. That is Advent repentance. That is coming to the end of ourselves, of rethinking our thinking of dependence on ourselves, to look and to wait for the God who began a good work among you, who will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. This is why we are called to wait and to watch, not to numb ourselves to the darkness, but to look to and for the God who comes in the very darkness in which we sit. Behold, in the midst of the darkness, a light has come. Beloved, Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.